This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss the last seven days following Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see all of our new videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And thanks to our sponsors once again this week, Pundit Games. Pundit is the new card-based football trivia game that you can play anywhere. You can play as a group or just in a pair. Rounds last around 45 minutes and there's 900 questions to get through across various categories like 90s Premier League, the Three Lions and the World Cup to name but a few. Pundit are offering TSP listeners 20% off their purchase when they use the code SAINTS. Head to punditgames.co.uk and you'll be able to enter the code as you check out and you'll also find a link to the website and the code in the YouTube and podcast description. So coming up this week on the podcast, we won a game at home and we kept a clean sheet and we complete another double, this time over Leicester. But we rode our luck at times, so we'll get into that. And just when you thought the season couldn't get any worse, there was a midweek defeat to League Two side Grimsby Town in the FA Cup. Again, plenty to discuss there. Uh, plus our panel of guests are going to preview the trip to Manchester United at the weekend. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LeCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10 and Jacob Tanswell is the Southampton reporter for The Athletic. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 224 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. The Saints moved off the bottom of the Premier League for the first time since the World Cup break with a vital 1-0 win over Leicester at St Mary's. Uh, Glenn, I'll start with you. A massive win, but for me, we were very, very lucky. Um, Leicester could have scored two or three goals. 
How were your nerves watching that one? I kind of watched watched the game in a in a kind of resigned state of mind these days. So I, try, I don't get too, um, in, the, in the words of uh, Nigel Atkins, don't get too high, don't get too low. Draw a blue line under it, move on after the game. Yeah, it was a bit, um, it was a bit nervy the last half an hour because we kind of gave up completely on attacking. And I, I dread to think what the possession stats were for the last half an hour. But it, it felt like about 95%. And I, I got eye strained because I was at the chapel end and the, the ball spent the entire last half an hour up the uh, up the other end. So, uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a tough tough watch the last half an hour, sort of hoping we'd get to the end. We've had plenty of games in the past where we've missed chances and the opposition of, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking Newcastle at home this season. You know, we, we had chances, didn't take them. They took their chances and the, and the game was over. And, and that's the way Leicester will be looking at it. They had the chances, they didn't get a single shot on target. You know, on another day, we could easily be sitting here discussing a, a 3-1 defeat where we, we left we left a striker free in the box three times and, um, and that was the end of that. But, you know, we got away with it courtesy of the guy who I said was half decent last week. Um, <laughs> so I have to totally put my hands up. I still think he is decent, but he had a shocking game yesterday. So, yeah, I thought, you know, f- first 20 minutes were a bit odd. We didn't really do much there. And then for 20 minutes, we looked like a proper team. We uh, we carried an attacking threat, mainly through Alcaraz, who was I thought was a revelation in that position. I thought he was excellent. Um, always looking to have a shot, always looking to be positive. Got the penalty, missed that. Um, in the past, that would have been the signal for us to kind of get all down about things. But we, you know, we kept going and got the goal, got the goal straight after that. Um, just the way things are going at the moment, I felt sure it was going to get disallowed <laughs> by, um, by the VAR. So you know, it's nice that it wasn't. But yeah, the, the, the second half was tough, and we had to, uh, you know, there was some good defending in there. But you can say you've defended well if you've not allowed any chances. I don't think we defended particularly brilliantly because we we did allow those those chances that on another day would have uh, would have seen us lose again. But at the end of the day, the end justified the means. We got to the end. We got the three points. And um, I don't know if you've seen Theo Walcott's interview on the, um, mm. on the on the club website. It's really good actually. Where you know he he basically says it's all about the results, and he's dead right. Yeah, I think perhaps he might have said something similar as well. Steve, you've had a chance to to sleep on that result. How are you feeling about it today? I mean, it's a, it's a massive three points, isn't it? I mean, we're now sort of right back in the mix, only a point off of sort of teams above the dotted line. So, yeah, it's it it can't be seen as anything other than a positive weekend, especially the way all the other results have gone, have fallen pretty pretty nicely for us. Um, I mean, Bournemouth being two up and throwing it away at, at Arsenal in the 98th minute is, was a... Was it was a shame. Of, it was a shame, wasn't it? Oh, my my heart <laughs> bleeds for them. But yeah, I mean that that was that was kind of the a sign of how things might pan out, I suppose, over over the weekend for us. It's I mean, let's be honest, we've had enough week enough weekends where every single result's gone the opposite way. So you you take these weekends when 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 they present themselves. Um, I thought we were. I mean, first half we I thought we were fine. First twenty was we were kind of feeling our way into it. Leicester looked a little bit more likely, but. I mean, as the stats say, not a not shot on target in, in 90, 96 minutes. Uh, well, 100 minutes, given that we had had a fair few added at the end of the first half. And at the end of the day, they are they seem to be so reliant on Madison. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was good, I thought, but he was good in areas where he wasn't actually useful um, in, many, in many respects. He was playing, he was dropping deep a lot to collect the ball to feet, um, which we were quite happy for him to do because... 
as long as he's not 25 yards from goal in in the center then okay you can you can deal with it and yeah i thought we we despite the fact that obviously there were a few crosses into the box that um as glenn said on another day in acho probably gets probably gets two headers and i think it was um Valt fast wasn't it who somehow managed to head one from a corner probably back closer to the corner flag than the near post um from a free header and i mean on another day those go in but yesterday wasn't that other day and and we got away with it we've we've had loads loads of games where we miss those presentable chances and we get punished so swings and roundabouts you kind of take take the uh, take the balance with it and and um yeah just kind of su- um suck up the glory i suppose and move on yeah i'm certainly enjoying these positive podcasts it's been a while since we've Weird, had a, little, uh, a few results like this yeah um well, let's, jacob... give, let's, give, let's give us five minutes until we, <laughs> until we start <laughs> jacob we were all pretty critical of the team after that uh Leeds game last week so what made the difference for you against leicester where was where was that game one what were the differences I think Ruben Sellers, I think he's been one of the more positive aspects of Southampton's season. I think he, what is good about him is that he incorporates some of Harsenthal's uh, strengths, but also he knows that he's a little bit more flexible than him. I think he realised, especially against Grimsby, that the whole system was too narrow. Everything was too slow. Saints aren't the greatest at passing through the lines anyway. So he brought in these two wingers in Walcott and Sulemana. I thought the runs they made in that first half especially were quite clever. There's one incident, I think, uh, where Aisley Maitland-Niles had the ball and Walcott went to show to see and then span in behind and they won a corner and I think handball appeal and I thought that was really sharp and it just showed, spoke of you know the threat that 4-2-3 on post and then Alcaraz as well he's always been better without the ball really in terms of making those forward runs into the box all of his goals at River Plate were, or Racing Club sorry were like that so it didn't surprise me that type of goal and I think Sellers knows how to get the best out of him and I think this is now going to be the formula this formula this personnel as well that are going to stick till the end of the season. I think you've seen it, it's quite clear with James Brian a doozy playing for the B team, Saleta Sarr and all such now, I think they're gonna be hooked out for the long term. That this is the this is the group of players, the nucleus of the squad that's gonna be gonna be selected. And I think Shea Adams was was coming back in. I think that's a massive boost as well because I know he gets maligned a lot, misses chances, but he's not the guy that's there to be the out and out number nine, the goal scorer. He's always been better as a link up player, having a foil and him and Alcaraz, I thought would dovetail really well in and out of possession and you saw with the goal I think that pass was fantastic and you know it goes with the cliche I think it was the Kevin De Bruyne or the I think match of the day we've been talking about a lot more mm. let's just talk about that goal and that pass but it all started Glenn with that tackle from from Lavia who I thought had a really good game again yesterday he wins the ball back and, and gets things moving yesterday yeah he does and I thought he I thought he was excellent and I thought he was one of the few that played well against Grimsby as well he um you know, he seems to be getting back into his rhythm now after his injury. And, um, you know, we, we have to hope and look after him and, and, you know, and have to hope that he lasts to the end of the season because, you know, we, we desperately need him. We're desperately reliant on this 19-year-old kid to, um, to stay fit and stay performing the way he is. And the, the chances are whether we go up or whether we go down, these will be the last 13 games he plays for us. So, um, you know, in, in order to give us any chance of keeping him next year, you know, we have to stay up and uh, he he will play a massive part in that if we manage it because he he does the job that no one else in our squad is is capable of doing. Not, you know, I th- I, it's funny. There was um, it was Nathan Jones, wasn't it, who said he's he's not particularly good defensively. Well, I, I don't really, really see that. And, uh, you know, that was that was a 
that was a good example that that tackle that he um that he put in to win the ball to start the move that's um you know that that's as that's as good as anyone does in that in that position it's interesting because he got he seemed to get a bit of criticism off of um Ruben Sellers uh, during the week maybe Jacob will talk about that in a minute but mm. I don't I don't really see it I hope it was just a case of trying to keep his feet on the ground because you know the the kid's got everything and he will be he's a good player he's a, you know he's a really good Premier League player already and he's going to be something else if he um if he develops the way he uh, he should do so uh, yeah I thought he had an I thought he had another excellent game and he he he's the sort of player that allows other players to play as well he enjoyed the win as well. That's um, that's for sure. Jacob, do you just want to touch on that um, those comments? Because we were kind of following your your Twitter commentary, I think, as we probably do on a Friday, those of us that are at work um, from the press conference and, and some of the things that Sellers is coming out of. And, and obviously, he was critical of, of Lavia. And at the time, we thought, well, maybe this might just be a, a little lost in translation. But I know that you had the chance to, to delve a little deeper with that. Yeah, a piece has just gone on The Athletic now about that because I found it curious because it was the last question that Sky asked in the broadcast section and it was basically just an opportunity for Sellers to, you know, it's an easy win just to expand and tell everyone how good Lavia is, what a player, you know, how we signed for 12 million and he's going to be a really good player. But then he gave this short answer where he's not impressed. So and so I asked Ruben about it and he went on for about 90 seconds, two minutes, and he started talking about how he wants him to dominate games and how he needs to keep his feet on the ground. And I think when you read it and you really analyse his comments, I think it's because he wants Salampton or Sellers wants Salampton to be better in possession to not sink deep like they did in the last 20 minutes against Leicester. He wants them to have more control. And it didn't matter so much under Jones because Jones basically bypassed the midfield a lot of the time. But I think Sellers recognises with three open goal pay goals in 10 games pre-Leicester that Salampton have to carry more of a threat. They have to implement more patterns of play. And the way to do that is through sustaining attacks and keeping the ball. And Lavi is the best at keeping the ball. So although you know he's nice and pretty and he garnishes games, Sellers wants him to make a bigger impact. And he's got zero assists this season. He's got one goal, I think. Sellers wants big, impactful moments from Lavia. And although he's fantastic at getting out of tight pockets, how much of that really impacts the game on the scoreline? And I think that was one of the things that Ruben wanted, wanted. And I think we saw that in the first half. That tackle, like Glenn and Steve said, was excellent and it was overlooked at the time but when you watch it back you see how significant that was and those are the type of examples that I think Ruben was alluding to in this presser. Do you think it was a fair comment Steve? Um, I think with Nathan Jones perhaps the the comments in the press conferences were so often about him um, that anything about the players were, were overlooked so maybe they didn't stand out but um, I know that that you and I were like eh, what is it what's he on about? It Yeah it certainly seemed odd for those because obviously the way these press conferences work um we get to see what happens in the broadcast press conference but we've got no idea what happens in the in the written one and it's all embargoed until like later that evening so we don't hear for hours about what's been what's been said in um in the follow-up um so yeah like immediately following the uh following that press conference it, it was a case of well i mean is he is he kind of sort of said something that made sense to him in Spanish and it's just not translated very well or has he actually just said no he's I've I've not been impressed by him is is was it literally as clear-cut as that and I think ultimately the answer is probably somewhere kind of vaguely in the middle but but varying sort of more towards him actually not being not being overly overly impressed but I think it's more that that he sees how much how much ability and potential um, the kids got already at such a tender age with such uh, little first team senior experience that he thinks that 
actually he should he should be able to kind of demonstrate this um, this ability on a on a more consistent basis. Glenn, I want to talk about the other end of the the experience scale, as it were. Start for Theo Walcott yesterday. Kind of felt like he he earned that and offered a bit more. Maybe it's like the leadership and the experience. He was one of the few people that came out of Wednesday night with um with with a, a bit of respect still intact, perhaps. He was um he you know he came came on as a sub in the Grimsby game and and he was absolutely excellent when he came on. I thought he he demonstrated the uh, long lost art of a player in a Southampton shirt darting into space to receive the ball and <laughs> he did that a lot yesterday as well. You know the, there was like, the penalty stemmed from a, a one two that he played as as we worked it out the pitch. The um the early sort of run down the line of Maitland Niles was was the same as well. And I, th- I thought he had a really good game, and I, I thought it was a sh- it was a shame they took him off. It, you know that, that those I mean I thought the substitutions were absolute murder. To be honest, They're just I mean I don't know if we're going to talk about that. But oh yeah, my yeah. my <laughs> word, I, I just you know <laughs> basically it took off. I mean, Walcott was one of our better performing players, and taking him off, he didn't look tired. Well, no, he, he he literally just sprinted from yeah. from halfway back thirty yards to put in a, put in a challenge. Yeah, so I thought he played really well. He he played well against Grimsby. If you play well in that game, no one can really argue. If you get put in the you know put in the Premier League team, and and he did he did really well. And it's a it's a it's a good story that he's he's been miles from a first team place over the last sort of year or so, and he's he's worked his way back in. I mean, you could argue whether. You know that's down to poor options in that position, and you know other players performing poorly. But you know he he did well, and he 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 got in the team, and he played well yesterday. So I hope he stays in the team next week because he deserves it. And it's you know we we talk about him being an example to other players, and it, it's a great example that no matter how far you are from the first team at, at various points, if you can put the performances in in training and take make the most of it when you get your twenty minute substitute appearance or whatever. Then, um, then great. Um, it, it's just a shame that it doesn't work the other the other way around. When you've got players who absolutely stunk the place out on um, on Wednesday, and they 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 still get minutes on the pitch on um, on Saturday, um, mm-hmm. which you know it's a shame it doesn't work the other way around as well. But no, Theo, I thought I thought was excellent, and he and as I said earlier on, his his interview that's on the club website is um, is really good as well. So um, yeah, top man, and uh, hopefully he keeps going. Yeah, because if we're going to stay up, then we're going to need um, his experience. Steve, just a word on James Ward-Prowse. Is it time for him to give penalties to somebody else? Because he just he never looks confident, does he? There's, yeah, I think there's two he's missed this season, and there was the England one. And he normally scores the rebound, doesn't he? So uh, he kind of masks over it. But yesterday, that it wasn't brilliant, was it? No, and it was, and the and the problem is, I think, um, I think on the Sky coverage, I, I saw reference to it on on Twitter, that on the Sky coverage, they they obviously just as the penalty is about to be taken, they put that sort of the plot of where he's hit his most recent like five or six penalties, and basically every single one's in the same place. Keepers, keepers at Premier League level, even keepers in, I mean, I know of keepers at non-league level who do research on opposition penalty takers. You don't need the post-it um, note on the back of the water bottle exactly, do you, to know yeah. where that's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, Danny Danny Ward is not a very good goalkeeper, and yet he knew exactly where Prousey was going to put that penalty and made made a very comfortable save. He, I mean, he he put put on put enough power on it, but it was just it was just so telegraphed where he's going to put it now. Yeah, mm. and I mean, Prousey even joked himself in the post match, didn't he? Oh, I'd ra- I'd rather have a free kick. I was like, well, I mean, there's there's your there's your answer. I mean, if you if you if your captain's saying that. Um, he absolutely should not be taking penalties now. 
I mean, in terms of candidates, I mean, Alcaraz strikes the ball pretty well. I mean, the the finish for the goal took it early, I think, which which is what surprised um, surprised Ward, which meant that he was kind of just stood there, not not really able to react properly. So yeah, maybe Alcaraz is has Carl Walker Peters sort of, taken one before, or have I dreamt that up? It, don't think so. No, maybe a free um, kick. Pro- 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 probably in a shootout, he's taken one. I was thinking Maitland Niles apparently. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, other, other than that, um, I mean, Lavia possibly. Um, sure, sure. Alcaraz used to take free kicks for Racing Club. I'm sure some of his highlight reels were um, were were sort of dead ball strikes. So, well, yeah. ta- well, ta- taking free kicks is is evidently not proof of being <laughs> <laughs> as, as, we, as we've just seen. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. The, pro- the I guess the the issue is that there aren't obvious candidates in in the current eleven. Um, I mean, you look a little bit deeper, and you might you might look at someone like Stu Armstrong tends to strike the ball quite well, and he's he's fairly composed, um, quite versatile. Um, I mean, actually, Run I think Elia Nusi would probably be a good penalty taker. I think weirdly, no, he, he passed um, backwards. It's it's just yeah. I mean, there's there's no there's no obvious candidate um, other than other than Prowse at the moment until we've got somebody who's actually reliably sticking the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, who do you choose to take a very obvious um, sort of free shot at goal other than the only person who's who's found the back of the net in recent weeks? Scored a few goals, yeah. Um so yeah, there's no there's no there's no right answer until we um yeah, until until we find till we get a striker who who we know we can rely on. I want to get on to those those double changes and I'll get Glenn's view on this in just a moment when Armstrong and, and Mara came on. But Jacob, I know that Sellers was talking about this after the game and just to kind of preempt, he was he was kind of sticking by his decision and almost justifying um, why those two came on after the poor performance on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't actually mind the thinking behind it because Leicester were leaving a lot of space. Suter's not, you know, the most mobile of defenders, is he? And I think in Sikumara and Adam Armstrong, he thinks he can get better pressure from the front. If they press from the front, the whole team can get out of the pitch, you know, stop them from dropping deep whilst offering a threat in behind as well. So I did actually mind uh, the thinking behind it. The issue is the optics because of Wednesday, how bad those two were coming on. But also, I think it's a little bit too early in, in all of his games. He's made that double striking substitution. And I think if you just wait five, ten minutes, I think fans can accept it a little bit more. But when you've got basically half an hour plus stoppage time to go and you've got Sikumar and Adam Armstrong on the pitch who don't really offer much in terms of hold-up play or or are actually very ruthless in the first place, I think I think that's a struggle. I wouldn't mind bringing one of them on if you had Shea and Adam Armstrong. I think that would have been okay. But bringing both of them on is a risk. But Sellers clearly has his plan and I think he's very reluctant to, to play Suleimana throughout. I think he still thinks he's bedding in and uh, yeah, these are decisions that he has to live and die by at the end of the day. Is there an argument, Glenn, to say that we're defending from the front and you change the front three because then they're they're fitter and, and they, I'm trying to justify this now, like lead the charge into the final half or just not at all? Well, I can see I can see why he does it in the same way that I could see in the Chelsea game where he did it. He made, exa- you know, he made the same substitutions. It was... Um, you know, it was Onuachu, Suleimana and Armstrong all came off, didn't they? And around the same amount of time left in the game where we're 1-0 up. The issue is with it is that you're basically giving up on attacking because we'd already we'd already had to take off Alcaraz mm-hmm. and put Elianusi on. And I, I couldn't understand that substitution at that particular time. I'd have thought, you know, as he's playing as, an, as a number 10, that's where Stuart Armstrong would be ideal. 
you know, he seemed to be the better choice. But anyway, Elianusi's on. And then to take to take off Adams and Walcott at the same time and bring on the Chuckle Brothers was just <laughs> was just we're not when we're not attacking anymore. You know, surely we... the, the Chuckle Brothers would imply that they're actually passing to each other though. Yeah, to me, to you, to them again, to me, to them, to me, to at the moon with a shot. Honestly, it so and. As as you touched upon, they were absolutely diabolical. The whole the reason we lost to Grimsby, in my opinion, was the the front four. So you add Orsic and Gineppo into that. Mm. Just shocking. Mm. They were all four of them were absolutely shocking. Um, so I, I was I was amazed that those those two got on the pitch again. It's it's putting all your eggs in the basket of not conceding a goal. Because imagine if Leicester had scored five minutes after that. You know, after that substitution had been made, and you're then looking at well, what can we do to try and score another goal? And we've got that forward line. So that's what worries me. And I totally agree with with Jacob's point for, for that reason, um, amongst others, is that if you leave it to 70, 75 minutes, when, you know, when, when Adams is genuinely knackered, when Walcott is genuinely knackered, then I can kind of see it. But I, I didn't see the necessity for that change at the time. And for reasons that we've discussed earlier, you know, okay, the end justifies the means because we got the three points. But... I can't see that working too often. But having said that, it's worked it's twice in three two, games. Two in the last three, yeah. Yeah, it's worked twice in three games. But, uh, I mean, if we try and do it next week against Man United, say for, say for argument's sake, we'll 1-0 up and we try to defend for half an hour against Man United, I, I just I just don't see it working. So, uh, I think that, that tactic maybe lead, needs tweaking a little bit. But there you go. We got there. We did. We got there in the end. Steve, a couple more things I want to touch on before we, we move on. Um, a clean sheet for uh, Bazuna, which was great. He's not good for the nerves at the moment, is he? I know um, McCarthy played on, on Wednesday night. Were you surprised to see uh, McCarthy not involved in the squad? I know, um, I don't know if you were watching, but like Willie Caballero seemed to be almost coaching from the sidelines uh, at times and having a word with some of the younger players. It felt like maybe his his role in the, the, the squad and on the bench perhaps is more than McCarthy who might just sit there kicking his heels. Yeah, potentially, but it, I think it does sound as if um, sounds as if McCarthy might have had might have had some sort of knock at the weekend, so he wasn't yeah. wasn't in the wasn't in the in the twenty. So I mean, you kind of you take you take that kind of out of the equation, I guess. If we're now assuming that Caballero is basically there as the the, the archetypal third choice keeper, never ever going to play, but is a great guy to have around for experience and um, presumably fantastic dressing room banter. And, but I mean, Bazunu, I mean, he'll, he will justify with, with a little bit of justification say, well, I've, I've had two clean sheets in the last three games that I've played. And yeah, I mean, the, you look at, look at the raw numbers and he's correct, but yeah, certainly, certainly yesterday, yesterday we looked, um, I mean, he looked, he looked a little bit shaky. I mean, he was given an absolute shocker of a back pass by Walker Peters for that shanked clearance that went straight to Ian Acho. And I mean, everyone, like the people, the guys near me in the northern were giving giving Bazunu uh, an absolute volley for that. Which, I mean, yeah, he's he's not made not made the best of it, but he's been given an absolute hospital pass there. Yeah, um, and given that given that we got that ball back after a, a sort of from a sort of uncontested drop ball um, after after an injury, there was absolutely no reason for Walker Peters to pass that ball backwards. Um, and I don't think anybody other than him was expecting that to happen. Um, so he just caught, caught everybody completely on the hop um, and got away with it, obviously. 
but that I mean the the big one was the was that cross in the ninety fifth minute where I mean I I mean I guess there's you might have a if you're being really generous you might say that him kind of coming for it and flapping at it has probably put, put, put Suter put Suter off a little bit hmm. um, because all he's literally all he's got to do is nod it downwards or at least slightly more downwards than he has and Leicester get an equaliser and then all of a sudden you're pointing fingers and it's and it's an absolute disaster but. Again, we rode our luck. We got away with it. Other other weeks we haven't done, and it's yeah. You you take the rough, the smooth. I think he's been he's been slightly better the last the last few games. He's not looked. I mean, not, I mean, obviously the goal last week at Leeds was was poor from both him and Bednarek. But he's not looked like basically if you hit anything at him, it's just going to go in regardless of the pace or the direction. He's come for crosses and taken stuff. Um, his distribution has been okay, and there actually does look as if there's a bit more communication going on between between him and and the defenders. One thing I noticed as well from that um, shanked clearance that Ian Acho put over was that rather than what he's been doing in the in the previous what eighteen months, two years or so, um, Bednarek was actually encouraging. When he when he then he, went he back, went over he, and high five. Yeah, didn't he? yeah. He, yeah. he went back went back to Bazuna and said, "No, it's fine. Keep your head up. Sort of get get on with it. Sort of blank it out of your memory. It's 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 gone." Um, whereas in the past he'd have been he'd have been all over him and and making the kid feel um, three inches tall. Yeah. So that that's an improvement already. So yeah, I mean it's at the end of the day, realistically, given the performances we've seen and the change hasn't been made, I I find it very difficult to believe McCarthy's playing again this season really yeah I was going to ask Jacob about that just before we get on to the the Grimsby game um obviously Ruben Sellers was talking about his core of seven or eight players starting each week do you think we're starting to to finally see that now do you think in his head he's got his his best 11 and obviously Bazunu's going to be part of that I think so I wouldn't be so sure Bazunu will be will carry on playing because I think Alex Picardi had pretty terrible luck I'm not sure the timings of his injury he was Mm. going to come in for the game uh I think it was after before uh, Brighton, so it's post Lincoln. Got Jones injured. First game, wasn't it? Was he going to yeah. bring him back in because they knew each other or they they played together? Yeah, he was going to bring him back in. Then he's supposed to come back in for the Blackpool Cup game. Had issues with his hip in terms of distribution in training, uh, so that p- p- prolonged his injury. Then came back for Grimsby. Didn't really have much to do, and I think he hurt his shoulder when he was one v one in the second half for that Grimsby player. And you know, I think if he came through Grimsby, okay, you know, it was going to be set up for for Alex McCarthy to come back into the team. Again, <laughs> uh, issues with his injury and Bazuna's carried on playing. He's probably played through that and you know, out of form patch. And you probably think, given he's now kept two clean sheets and three, you know, he's not in the worst form. I think you probably stick with him now because he's played through it. But yeah, I think there's been two opportunities this season where McCarthy would have undoubtedly, undoubtedly come in. It's just whether he now makes a change after having that clean sheet. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. 
If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Just a final word on um, booing players, Glenn, because this is absolute nonsense, right? I know we talked about Elianusi and not the best player, but when you're booing a player as he comes on, Bednarek's name getting read out, people booing, it, it's, a, it's a strange situation we find ourselves in when that's happening at home and we're supposed to be getting behind the team. Yeah, I mean... You know, we're all we're all critical. I'm I'm critical in print. We're critical on here at times. Yeah, of course. Um, but the, the, I mean, maybe 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 it's hypocritical to say, but it it seems like you cross a line when you when you do it in the stadium, because at the end of the day, you're there to try and watch the eleven players representing your team um, do their best. And even if you don't think Elianusi, for example, is any good, how's it going to help him hmm. by booing him when his name's read out? Or um, or when he comes on as a sub, it's um, I mean, Bednarek had Bednarek did have a little bit coming to him, but it, you know, so I can kind of understand it the first game, but I think that's his third home game now, and it's it's still happening. So yeah, I I don't I don't get it. It's um, I, you know some, but then p- people would argue that you know I paid me money, I've got the right to do what I want, sort of thing. Well, yeah, but you're not really helping, so. At the end of the day, it's up it's up to individuals, but it it surprises me. I mean, I think more people would think it's a bad thing than a good thing to mm. to be booing your players. So it's it surprised me that um, the the amount you know the the number of people that have obviously jumped on this bandwagon. So uh, I can't really say any any more any more than that. I mean, I I can't understand doing it in the stadium during the game or, or before the game. I really can't. However, after the game and on Wednesday night, absolutely um, <laughs> deserved, humiliated in the FA Cup fifth round, uh, lead to Grimsby winning 2-1. Steve, was this a, a new low, a couple of penalties, goal ruled out, but it just felt afterwards that we couldn't have any complaints. It was odd, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, mean, mm. I do think in the cold light of day, you replay that game 100 times and you win 99 times out of it because we literally handed them two penalties um, through utterly brainless not even defending it wasn't even we were doing defensive things to to cause penalties to be given away we literally just yeah it's just like what are we doing absolutely mental like i don't think um i don't think there's a grimsby player within 20 yards of lianco when he's when he's trying to head that cross away Hmm. and gillette asar i mean he's at the end of the day he's probably actually proven nathan jones right in in many in many ways defend just defend first. You don't need to get involved in in being a prat and giving giving this League One referee a, a decision to make on his on his big day. Where um, where at the end of the day, you you give him that opportunity, he's gonna he's gonna take it with with both hands. And I mean the way the way their lad went down was absolutely pathetic, by the way. Um, but yeah. but if you give him if you give him that opportunity and the ref only sees it only kind of sees it one way, then. You're shooting yourself in the foot, but uh, I mean, the thing is, let's be honest. Uh, Grimsby didn't get, other than those two penalties and one other shot. I think I don't think they barely they they got out of their own half. But we were just we were just too slow and too lethargic once we got into the final third. We had a we had a spell of twenty minutes around where we got the one goal back and uh, Walcott had had his goal his equaliser disallowed. Where all of a sudden we put a bit applied a bit of pressure at pace 
and they couldn't handle it. And if that Walcott equaliser was um, had stood, we'd have definitely we'd have won that game in ninety minutes. If we were playing at their place, of course, there wouldn't have been VAR, would there? Exactly. So yep. It would have been yeah, fine. That's yeah. The, that's yeah. The mad yeah. Thing. Yeah. So they they wouldn't have had the first penalty, and they wouldn't have had and the Walcott mm. goal would have um, would have counted. But yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a nonsense of the of the FA Cup sort of ruling in that. I mean, things you you get to you get to this stage where you've only got eight games going on. Surely you have enough resources to have the um, the technology present at all the grounds. Um, it doesn't really. It shouldn't matter whether those grounds are Premier League grounds or if they're lower league. Like Sheffield United, they're in the they they've played they've played Premier League games with VAR at Bramall Lane. Burnley, they've played Premier League games at at mm. Turf Moor with VAR. They've got the they've got the the capability and the technology already in place at those at those venues. There's absolutely no justification for for VAR not if if you're going to use it, then you've got to use it in in every game. It might be a case that um you say okay, we're we're going to use it from like the fifth round onwards where you're into the last 16, there's only eight games and you can you're more more than likely going to be playing most games at Premier League or at worst Championship grounds. But yeah, not um, not having it at some at this stage of the competition is nonsense. It's very strange, um, Jacob. Obviously, I'm just trying to think about the positives from this. In a way, I kind of came away from that game thinking actually it might make the job easier for the manager because I think if they'd have performed really well, he might have had a selection headache and he might have had some big decisions to make. But there was certainly absolutely no no nobody that played their way into his, his thoughts or his starting eleven after Wednesday night. No, I think your outlook certainly more wise than, than mine was at the, at the time. <laughs> I just thought it was, it was a complete mess. And I think it probably, and I still think it now that it was kind of indicative of the broader issues at Southampton in terms of the recruitment and how many misses they've had and how everything's been kind of blurred and there's not really been a clear vision between two, two ownership regimes. Uh, but, you know, We've made a big thing about this squad being too far, too excessive, too bloated. Thirty players. I think Southampton used the most players in the Premier League, along with Chelsea and both teams to different extents. Are haven't really got an identity or had it had it at that point. And you bring in these players. Ruben says made nine changes. He probably said to these players, "Give it your all. This is you know maybe your last opportunity to shine at this season." maybe even in your time at Southampton and I couldn't believe how how poor they were and I know everyone's like always play your best team and I, I can I understand that but even still you, you can't be losing to a league, league two team like that you know I don't care who who plays how much of it is rotated playing league two and having such a lack of energy I thought I know they've been in spurts but you know overall there wasn't really any dynamism I, th- I thought everything looked so you know, fallible really, and I think you'll see that that was the last last chance for a lot of those players. And now it's you know we'll see what happens in the summer of them. But yeah, overall disappointed because I sense it was a really good opportunity for a for a good cup run, especially with the draw opening up as well. Is it a missed opportunity, Glenn? Do you think, or would it have been a distraction? And actually, we just now know for sure that players like Lianco and maybe to a certain <laughs> extent Sletasar and Allsich, they're just they're not going to cut the mustard, and that's it now. Just put put them in the B team. Um, is it? It's a missed opportunity for the club. I was I was seven years old when we last won a proper trophy. Now I'm not saying we'd have gone on and won, but at the end of the day, we had a fifth round game against the team 16th in League Two, and it, it was it was pathetic for all the reasons that um, Stephen Jacob have said already. Mm. The whole day, the whole game had an element of Mickey Mouse about it, down to the the referee. Now, on both the penalty decisions, he gave the benefit of every doubt that there was about it to. Um, 
to Grimsby, didn't he? And uh, I've the first one. I'd love to know why it took five minutes. Oh, it was to, awful, wasn't it? For the VAR decision, because their winger clearly threw the ball down the line before he before he crossed it, before Lianco handballed it. Mm. The only the only theory I've got is is perhaps that they didn't know the rules because I think if the if the cross had been smashed into the net by a Grimsby player, it probably would have been disallowed because it was directly responsible for the goal. But because it ended in a penalty, maybe there's a, a grey area there. Maybe they didn't know the rules because the handball by Lianco was absolutely clear. That's a one view. He's obviously handled that. Give a penalty. So I, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I I I called that from about 120 yards away. Yeah, yeah, because you can you can tell by the way the ball kind of slows down. Is this yeah? There's certain softness about the touch, isn't there, and the way it kind of drops down. So yeah, so no no problem with that being given for the handball, but why the why the winger's handball wasn't? Um, and so the referees basically missed two handballs. So he was he was Mickey Mouse, and he couldn't wait to give the second penalty. Hmm. And at the end of the day, Chiletta's ours flicked him. But the way that should have, the way that scenario should have ended was the um, the referee just saying, "Pack it in, lads." Is a yellow card each. Yellow card each. But, yeah. but there you go. Lost the game. Yeah, it's a it's a missed chance for the for the club and the supporters. Does it help the league program? Not convinced, to be honest. And the, the the thing that annoys me about it is, you know, it is allegedly top level sport that we're playing. Um, and to me. If if you get paid by a football club, that that entitles you to train, and anything else should be earned. You know your minutes on the pitch in whatever competition it should be earned, and that that starting lineup. I mean, I can I can't understand why Suleimana and Onuachu weren't on the bench in in case they were injured. I mean, and so when the when the front players were a disaster, we ended up bringing on Joe Aribo, who we knew was going to be a disaster. Mm. He's been a disaster ever since the preseason friendly when he scored that good goal. It, it's um, yeah, it's it, it's strange to me that we kind of. I agree with Jacob. Ruben Sellers probably thought I could put out any eleven, um, and I don't think we under underestimated Grimsby. I think we underestimated quite how bad some of our squad players are, <laughs> and and that's um, and that's why we ended up with the result we did. I mean, the caveat to all that is that you know I don't see what goes on in training, nor does mm. nor does anyone. So maybe. Joe Rebo and he's brilliant in training, so he earned his chance. I don't know, but mm. yeah, it, I, I think it was um, I think it was a missed opportunity, definitely. But if it acts as the um, you know as the uh, impetus for everyone to learn some hard truths and some some tough decisions to be made, then uh, it's probably a good thing. We'll take something from it. Well, the league games come thick and fast now. There's never really a good time to visit Old Trafford, Steve. This United team seem to have found a bit of form, but they're going to be a bit wounded after that Liverpool result. So um, <laughs> they're going to be out for a backlash, aren't they? It could be a tough, tough Sunday afternoon. Well, I'm kind of hoping that the backlash um, is faced by Real, Real, Real Betis on Thursday in the um, in the Europa League. But yeah, we'll we'll see how see how that pans out because I'd I'd imagine Ten Hag will take that quite seriously, especially the first leg on Thursday. So it'll be full, more or less full strength United team for that one, and he will think that if he needs to, he can rotate a few sort of slightly fringe players because he's been getting a lot out of those. Um, uh, sort of occasional players this season, your likes of Garnacho and well, even Anthony's not really pl- not really been a ever present, but he's he's contributed in in sort of fits and starts. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he will be demanding a, a reaction um, because they, were, I mean, good lord, they were absolutely pathetic in the second half um, this afternoon. It was, I mean, Fernand, Bruno Fernandez should have been sent off probably twice. 
the foot. I mean, he's he's barged into the linesman. Which I mean, if you're if you're a grassroots official, you're look you're watching that and you're thinking, well, I mean, I've I've just got no chance here. Hmm. Um, Any chance because, for a retrospective ban? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. That would that would involve that would involve the Premier League or the FA or PGM MOL, whoever um, whoever should be taking responsibility for this sort of thing, actually having a backbone. Um, but they won't do. So Fair no, point. I wouldn't have thought so. But. Yeah, I mean, he he was he was awful, and for the guy who's wearing the captain's armband, I mean, I'm I'm not big on this whole oh the captain's got to show sort of outward leadership and and be the guy that's getting into people when when you need to sort of raise your game, um, but you've at least got to, got to lead by example in in some in some aspect, and his way of leading by example was basically just not bothering to to run for the last twenty minutes um, unless he could get into an argument with someone. Which was quite extraordinary, but they will. I mean, they, you would imagine they can't possibly play as bad as they did again on Sunday. And I mean, in front of a home crowd as well, where there'll there'll be obviously a heightened level of expectation, especially against against a side like us, where we're we're struggling at the wrong end of the table. I think. I mean, they they've run into Liverpool at a, a bad time for them, where Liverpool have just suddenly turned it turned it on again kind of rediscovered that sort of form from two years ago where where they could put in that sort of performance a little bit more regularly but at the end of the day there's there's still a good side 10 hogs other than like some really weird sort of massive away defeats i mean they got battered at brentford didn't they early in the season uh city stuck six past them i think was it six three um and they've obviously done seven um done seven this evening so away from home, there's there's still a bit of a question mark on them in in certain certain environments. But at home, they've been they've been pretty um, pretty consistent and pretty good all season. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not not expecting an awful lot from this one. Just get out of it with goal difference intact. I think it's not been a happy hunting ground in recent years. I don't think Jacob, um, unless I'm forgetting any really good results we've had up there. Um, do we stick with the same eleven they won at the weekend? Have they earned the chance to to start, or do you think he'll it's set up very differently for for this one? I think he'll change. I think last year didn't Ralph go for the same team that after the the game before that and got a one one. But I think Southampton played quite well that day as well from yep. what I from what I gather. So yeah, Southampton I think bar the the nine nil, they've been okay at Old Trafford. Um since, but, since Fergie retired yeah. our, our record there's yeah. actually all right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there will be a few changes. I'd like to see Roman Perot come back, and I think Maitland has been have been good, but I just think Perot defends with a little bit more intensity. And I think when you're against wingers that are direct, especially you saw Maitland was at Leeds, he struggled. I think Perot's probably you know, up to the task a little bit more. Uh, but Slamton need to keep hold of the ball a lot better, and he needs to, someone to carry them up the pitch. And I think Walker and Sulemana have been good, but I wouldn't mind seeing Stuart Armstrong back in there just to you know drive the team back up the pitch, carry the ball, a bit of experience as well. I think he's one of the few players that can hold the ball and allow you know the rest of the team to get into shape. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. So yeah, there's certainly a few options on there. And yeah, I think it's going to be a difficult one, but I'm actually more concerned now after Man United losing 7-0, which, which is ironic. I was the same, yeah. I felt the same as I had that seventh goal go in. Um, Glenn, this is going to be a proper test for, for Ruben Sellers, isn't it? If we give them as many chances as Leicester, we're not going to get away with that. No, we're not, which is why... I'd like to see the defence rejigged. I'd like to see a balanced defence. Um, the thought of Maitland-Niles playing against Rashford is a little bit scary. So I'd prefer Carl Walker-Peters to be over that side. I'd be tempted to bring Salasu in as well, just to just to balance things up. 
if he's 100% fit. I don't know if he is 100% fit. Alcaraz, obviously, we haven't mentioned that. The idiot went and injured himself doing a knee slide yesterday. So we don't know. Um, we don't know how bad that is. Um, obviously, he's um, his fitness is going to be is going to be key. It'd be interesting to see if he plays the same role that he played yesterday. I know, you know, Man United have got Casemiro, who's obviously a fantastic player, but he seems to have been playing a little bit further forward. So Manchester United still seem to have that bit, a bit of a gap between the uh, defence and the midfield that maybe maybe we could exploit. And it'll be interesting to see um, if Tall Paul gets a go against Lissandra Martinez. Yeah, he's been missing yeah. uh, in action the last couple of He wasn't in the squad, was he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and again, it's surprising he didn't play against Grimsby, bearing in mind he didn't play yesterday. So, uh, so I, I think we've, you know we've got enough to give them uh, a few problems. I don't. I don't really think the seven nil makes a huge difference. Um, and if Man United can get beat seven nil at any time, I'll take it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I just think it's really funny because there's been a lot of rubbish said about you know Ten Hag and hasn't he been marvellous and all that. They already had a ridiculously expensive squad and he spent about two hundred and twenty million. So yeah, well played. Um, you know, and they're undoubtedly better than what they were. And and Marcus Rashford's form since the World Cup has been um, has been incredible. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how we go. Is it the sort of game where you know we we need to take we need to create some chances? We can't just sit back against them. Mm. And um, you know, but can can we cause them enough problems? If we're still in the game after the hour, you know, in after an hour, what do we do? When Mara and Armstrong come on, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> To me, to you, was um, yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens there, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to it. It's you know these these games. It's it's a free hit, but yeah, I'm uh, you know I mean getting beat today it it shows they're human. If you'd have asked me before today, I'd have said this is probably the most difficult game you could possibly have right now. Hmm. But having having got beat seven now, I think it's 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 obviously taken a bit of the uh, a bit of the air of invincibility away. So, um, yeah, so why not? Let's get out there and have a go. All right. Well, I'm going to ask the three of you for some score predictions. If you're watching the live stream on a Sunday night, then you can leave those in the comments as well. Uh, let's see what you think. Now, Glenn, Jacob, and actually Alfie all predicted the win uh, against Leicester. So, um, Glenn, I'm going to come to you first for the the Man United one. I just can't see us getting anything. I think we'll be lucky to get away 3-0 because um, I think we're going to struggle a bit. What What about you, Glenn? What do you think? I'd love to know what I predicted when we lost 9-0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can probably find that out. <laughs> um, oh, Man United away. Um, it's it's too much to hope to get anything from the game in terms of um, in terms of getting a point. So I will I will go a three-one defeat. Three-one. Uh, Jacob, I'll come to you next. I was going to go for a three-nil defeat as well. I think I think May United will get an early goal and then Slams will keep it fairly respectable, but ultimately get yeah, exploited on the counter as well. And uh, Steve, your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean they might be tired from Thursday, but they've got a massive squad with loads of depth. We need so... them to be very tired. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I not as I say, not expecting a huge amount from this. Get out of it with goal difference vaguely intact. Two-nil. Uh, I think two nil. Great. Just a word on the women's game. Um, ladies' team back in action today. I know you caught the last fifteen minutes, Steve, but defeat at Charlton. Yeah. So obviously they played Charlton opening game of the season, um, and were given a bit of a lesson really as to the step up um, in that first that opening game. They're beaten pretty soundly two nil today. You kind of hoped that having had a 
pretty good season, I think. Um, I think everyone everyone would probably probably agree that today was an opportunity to show that they've learned and they've stepped up a little bit. But unfortunately, in I think Marianne Spacey's uh, words, it was a it was a subpar performance. So uh, yeah, just disappointing one nil one nil defeat. It was an early goal, but certainly from the from the sort of fifteen minutes or so I I caught at the end of the game, um, we had a fair amount of the ball, but didn't really um, didn't really do an awful lot with it. Uh, late free kick that fired just over the bar. Um, but we've not not tested the keeper at all there. Um, and the, the league, yeah, just disappointing. The league looks like it's pretty much sealed up anyway, doesn't it? Um, yeah. With again, same same issues we had last season. In the only one team goes up. Yeah, and they're ten um, points. Ahead. Bristol City are now ten points clear of us. Uh, London City Linus is lost at home to Sheffield United, I think. So we're still in touch with with them in second, but you get nothing for for finishing second in in this division, mm. unfortunately. It's 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 one up and and that's it and it looks yeah it looks increasingly likely that's that's going to be Bristol City at the moment barring a yep. late barring a late season collapse. Well, on that note, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Total Saints Pod. The website is totalsaints.co.uk. There's a link on there to our online shop as well. Uh, we're also on Patreon. That's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast is the address that you need. There's different tiers on there, uh, all ranging from £5 up to £20 a month. And each of the tiers comes with its own perks, including some weekly shouts for those patrons in our front is Benali and our Mick Shannon tier so thank you to Dave Melton Mark Atkins Matt Hall and Andy Hollis in the Francis Benali tier and also Colt Baker Dave Ernsberger Ed Busy Nick Higston Phil Cook Matt Rose and Nick Reed in the Mick Shannon tier cheers Steve thank you Glenn thanks Jacob uh, thank you for listening thank you for watching thank you for your comments and we'll see you again next week the TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year as football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.